0: Hi friends, Brad here, the lead pastor of a new church called The Table. This podcast is a short insight to what we do every week. And we think that long, drawn-out messages lose meaning. So over the course of this podcast, you'll find questions that we pose to our people that they'll discuss in real time. And so we would love for you to find time to reflect on these questions as well. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and check us out at thetablejoliet.org. Yeah, I know some of you are saying, why so serious? <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're going to get to that in a minute, but I just want to thank you for being here. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, yeah, before we begin, I just want to talk about a couple things that are happening that are so good that we want to celebrate this morning. Um, in, the, in the six weeks that we have been open, uh, we have had 12 people give their life to Jesus, and almost 12 of those are going to be baptized. That's right. In fact, next week uh, it looks like at this point we're gonna be baptizing anywhere from six to seven people so we would love for you to come and be part of that. It's gonna be a great time. Also, if you're new or you're kinda new to the whole table thing and you've only been coming for a couple times, we would love for you to just come be part of uh, what we call Snacks with the Staff. We originally called it Pie with the Pastors, but that's intimidating. Who wants to hang out with pastors? So we thought, hey, let's make it Snacks with the Staff. You can come. You can learn more about us. We can learn about you. We can talk about how you can get involved and help here. We love it when people get involved and help. And so that's next week following service. We'll meet you here after service. Love for you to be part of that. So we are in the third week of this series called The table. That's right. There's a reason we call it the table is because we don't want there to be any mistake about what we're talking about. Uh, We have been talking about over the last two weeks uh, why we chose the name uh, and we give this wonderful story and we begin to talk about the fact that God wants people moving forward in their faith that we want people moving in their, forward in their faith. And so we talked about this idea and our mission statement being this that we want to guide people into a forward-moving relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. And then last week uh, we looked at this wonderful story or we begin to see that Jesus is gathered around a table with people, all these disreputable characters, and it's a lot of fun. And we find quickly that um, people started following Jesus. They, they were getting excited about it. They would go to the temple and worship every single day. I know some of us struggle to get here was a month, but they were doing it every day. And after day, after day, after day, they would have meals together. And I love how Luke describes it in his account. He tells us that these were meals of celebration. And then his language, he said they were joyful and exuberant. And so we borrowed this idea. We said, man, we want when people find Jesus, we think people get excited. And so we said we want this place to be a joyful, exuberant Jesus party where everyone belongs. And so today, last week, we had a great time. We, we shot off cannons and uh, we had a blast. We ate cake and punch for communion. My goodness, that tastes really good. We should do that more often. But we were celebrating the fact that God's grace has been extended into our lives. And we wanted it to be a reminder of how good that grace tastes when we eat it. And so uh, this morning is obviously, you can tell, we're talking about conversations. And so uh, to begin, I want to let you know that one of the, my favorite things, everybody asks, what do you do when you're not preaching? Well, you know, it's just one day a week, so i got to fill my time with other things to do. So I love mowing the grass. I love mowing the grass. I don't know about you, but this is like when it's warm. I love to go out because mowing the grass is my way out. I constantly have people who talk to me. We always have problems we're solving. You know, it's always, you know, it's just always something. And so I love being able to put on some headphones with the noise of a mower and listening to any kind of music that I want. I love me some heavy, heavy screamo metal. I love metal music, man. I just don't know what it is. I also love rap. But there are times I also turn on podcasts. And if you are familiar with podcasts, it's great because you can listen to people. And what I love about podcasts is the authenticity It's something about having a mic and not being in front of people that gives you boldness. (laughs) You notice this? That people will often say online or behind a mic what they would never say face-to-face to to people. I think that's kind of fun, which I appreciate. Because a lot of times they're saying what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. And so I, I remember when I started out as a pastor, I would listen to other pastors. And I had this one favorite guy, his name was Scott. And I used to listen to him. And so I'd be mowing and he would be giving it to his people. Man, he'd be going right at him, And so he would come up with this great line i was like man i i love that and so i'd stop my mower and i would take down my phone and i'd start taking notes and i'd start the mower back up and i'd start you know mowing and two minutes later this guy's got another great line i stopped my mower i think people in my neighborhood think my mower's broken because like it's start stop start stop start stop and it takes me forever to mow my yard and and so I, i had this idea i'm like these are such great points, and I think they would, they would work well for some of our folks, you know, as I'm preaching. So I'm just going to throw them in my manuscript. I'm going to throw them in. I'm going I'm to preach them. And by the way, um, I manuscript everything out because you do not want me going off the cuff. It gets dangerous. Um, I just tell you right now, people are like, Brad, when are you just going to preach in the Spirit? Listen planning for me is preaching in the spirit like if I can write it out I know where I'm going what I'm doing if you if you get me uh without notes it it gets pretty bad so anyway so I'm sitting here writing this out I hand my manuscript to to my wife Janelle and I said look over this let me know what you think and of course she gets to the line that's not mine and she says you can't say this well what do you mean I can't say it she said you can't say this to people like this and I said, well, but I was listening to Scott, and Scott said it like that. Nobody seemed to have a problem with him. She said, I don't know if you know this, but you're not Scott. <laughs> so I said, you, you really mean I can't say this? And she said, no. And I said, why? And we kind of went back and forth and back and forth because I felt like she was silencing me. And I don't like it when people silence me and tell me what I can and can't do. And what I realized was at the time she was protecting me, you know, my wife has the best intentions for me. She was protecting me. But what I was frustrated with is I needed to say something that needed to be said, but she wouldn't let me say it. And I wonder if you have ever had a time in your life where you wanted to say something, you knew you should have said something, but you didn't say it. Right? If you are parents in here, you know this. Right. I remember like parenting is like biting your tongue 101. I remember my son came home. He was at a friend's house. He was crying. He was upset. And, and so, he, you know, he's, he's telling me that he had done something wrong or said something wrong. I know. Pastors, kids, what are you going to do? And so I, I immediately um, took a deep breath to say something to him. And my wife gives me this look like, you shut your mouth. Like, you take those big old ears of yours and you open them up and you close your mouth because you need to listen in this moment. I'm like, bite my tongue because I want to give them wisdom. I want to give them advice. Maybe you've had this experience. I know it's not in Chicago or in the Chicago area. We never had this issue, but have you ever had somebody cut you off? And when they cut you off, you recognize that there were little ones in the back or somebody next to you, you're like, man, I really can't say what I want to say because if I said it, people think less of me. And so you just, you honk your horn. <laughs> or if you like me, you speed up. Let them know that you're there. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe you've had a boss evaluation. Anybody in here have bosses over you that evaluate you all the time on your performance? And you know what this is like. They sit behind those stupid little clipboards and all you can see is their eyeballs and they keep writing, looking up and writing. And it's so frustrating to you because you're like, I don't know how I'm doing. But on the day that you have your performance, On the day that they're evaluating you. You ever had it just go south? Like everything that could go wrong does go wrong. And you're like, oh my goodness, seriously. And they're just taking notes behind their little clipboard. And when you get done and you go over to talk to them, they still don't, they don't take that clipboard down. They don't want you to know they're laughing at you or they're dead serious. And they start working through it and you're like, oh my goodness, I want to explain what happened today. But you knew if you did, they would give you even a worse evaluation. We do this in relationships all the time, my goodness. Um, If you've dated anybody just for one minute, or you've been married for one minute, there, you know, there's a reason they call them a significant other. It's because there's something significant about them that always annoys you. (laughs) And a lot of times, we know that if we say something to them that bothers us, it it just is not going to go well. We'll either break up, or you're going to be sleeping on the couch. And so we just bite our tongues. We don't say what needs to be said. So as we begin this morning, if you're new here, this is your first time. We want you to be comfortable, and we don't want you to feel like you have to do anything that we're doing here. That's fine. Uh, so what we do is we inter, it, like interpose these questions in the middle of these talks, and we want you to talk about them. So if you're at the tables, people will guide you in the conversation, uh, but if you're an introvert, and you don't like talking to people, we want you to take notes or text this question to somebody. You can take notes or text. And I always tell people, and I know you are probably tired of me saying this, if you're an extrovert, don't talk to the people with their heads buried in their notes. They don't wanna talk to you. We want them to feel comfortable. So, but if you love people, here's the question I wanna work with. I wanna know this about you. Are you someone who speaks up or do you shut up? Like when it comes time to say what needs to be said, are you somebody who speaks up and you just say it the way you wanna say it? Or do you just close your mouth and let it be? Let's take a few minutes, let's talk about it and we'll come back and address this. So we're talking about this idea that oftentimes we want to say what we need to say, but sometimes we can't say it. And this morning I've been thinking about the fact that sometimes I feel like in church world and in faith world it's no different especially when it comes to to being a pastor. In fact, uh, our, our staff had a conversation one time. I was making this wonderful point about this great Old Testament story about Balaam and a donkey. And um, I don't have time to get into details today. I'll just put it this way. I love making the connection that God can use a donkey and sometimes... That's why he uses me. And, of course, if you look it up in the King James Version, not the LeBron James Version, but the King James Version, uh, you will find that it is laced with some interesting language, and you'll get the joke if you go back and check it out today. Just Google Balaam and his donkey and read it in the King James Version. You'll get where I'm going. And, of course, I wanted to tell that story today, and I just felt like God was saying, Hey, you can say what you want to say, but you're not going to say it how you want to say it. And so I'm just going to say this, that I think when it comes to churches, and I think a big reason and, and why people get stuck in their faith is because we can never say what needs to be said. In fact, the reason is we we want to hear what we want to hear. We can't hear what needs to be heard. And I think this is just true. A lot of us love the personal, save me from my sins, shut up and die on the cross, Jesus, but we don't love to say it the way he wants to say it, Jesus. I call him Savage Jesus. That's right. In fact, if you have really been introduced to Jesus, especially when it comes to righteous people, I love watching Jesus talk to, to righteous people and faith-filled people. I've never heard a pastor ever preach on the seven woes. Like, not woe is me, but woe is like you. He says, woe to the, the, the Christians, woe to the Pharisees. And I love it. He says, man, y'all go to great lengths. You cross bridges. You cross countries. He says, you go to great lengths to convert people. And when you do, you make them twice the sons of hell that you are. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And, and it's funny because a lot of times we'll, we'll actually just use the words of Jesus. And a lot of times people will use it to fit their own political, uh, political rhetoric. It's, it's funny. I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I know you're against a candidate. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The only thing I said was what Jesus said. Like, That's all I said. And, and I think a lot of times, again, we hear what we want to hear. We, we put Jesus, we take him, we make him, we fit into our monetary, militaristic, consumer capitalism world. We put Jesus in that and we make him fit into it. And, and it's kind of scary because I think it keeps people from moving forward in their faith. See, we love it when Jesus says, man, I have plans for you. I mean, any good Christian will quote that to you. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, I know the plans I have for you. We love dreams. We love future. We love hope. But then when God calls us out, we're like, see, I'm dipping out. Like, I get this all the time. Like, if you call somebody out on their faith, just watch them walk out. Like, they have no problem doing it. And I think this morning, this is kind of where we're going. Sometimes it's hard to have a hard conversation. But I want us to see some of the conversations that Jesus has with us today. And the reason why Luke shares this story with us, he says, listen, I know you're going to be tempted in your life to walk out. You want to leave. You want to step out. You want to give up. And he says, listen, just take a minute and lean into it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. But if you lean into it, I promise life will change for you. And so this morning, we look at this story of Jesus gathered around with all of his disciples, some of his closest followers. And he's in the last few moments of his life, and he's sharing some of the most important things that he could share with them. But then he has these tough conversations. And before we get to it, I just want us to take a deep look inside ourselves for a moment. Turn to your partner or take notes or journal or text somebody this question. Here's what I want us to ask. How do you respond when somebody calls you out or speaks truth into your life? How do you respond when somebody, can I say bows up on you? Can I say that? No, I'm not gonna say that. How do you respond when somebody, come on, we love grace. We love it when people love us. But what do you do when somebody gets in your face because they love you and they tell you what you don't wanna hear? How do you respond? Turn to your partner, talk to them and then we're gonna look at these amazing three conversations that each of us find ourselves in. Fun thing talking about conversations that we should have or that are being had with us. And and by the way, I was just corrected. See, I'm from Ohio, and Ohio we're hillbillies, and so we say we bow up. And I was told in Chicago we roll up. So, um, sorry for getting that wrong. I'll make sure I get it right next time. <laughs> Hard conversations taking place back here, Pastor. You got it wrong. We don't bow up here in the city. Anyway. So this morning, uh, I'm looking at these conversations that Jesus begins to have with some of his closest followers, and of course, they're not some of the best conversations that take place. Uh, We would think in their last meal together, uh, it would be exciting and just just amazing time together, and it turns out to be a disaster. So here's what happens. I love this. Um, It says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And so he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my grace for you, which has been poured out for you. And he continues, he says, hey man, do this in memory of me. And I love this. Just pause here real quick. This is why at the end of every service, we do what we do at the table. Is that we want to invite you to an opportunity to experience God's grace in your life. And so that's why we do it. But it's so interesting what happens next. In this moment that Jesus is talking about grace, he all of a sudden speaks a little bit of truth. We love grace. We hate truth. And here's what he says. He says this, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. In the moment that God offers grace he says at some point the hand who is with mine on this table will betray me now these are big words some of the words we're gonna be talking about today are big 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 words betray And so the best way I can describe it is this. How many dads do we have in here who have married off their daughters? Anybody married off their daughter, right? A few of you in here. Do you remember what this was like? Do you remember your precious little girl? When she would sit in your lap and she would snuggle up to you and she'd say, I love you, Daddy. You remember this? And then as she got a little bit older, she started to have tea time where they spilled the tea. And we would talk with all of our invisible friends. And, of course, you talked to them, too, and Susie and Johnny and everybody around and all that stuff. And nobody's there, and you look like a crazy dad, but you knew that you had to do it because, man, you love your daughter. And you remember when she started riding her bike, and she fell off her bike and skinned her knee, and then she came back in, and you, you, you wrapped it all up, you bandaged it, you healed her, and you just hugged her and loved on her. Maybe it was after her first date. You remember this? She came home from her first date and it was a mess. And you were the man who stood there picking up the broken pieces. It's interesting because as a father, your hand was with hers every single moment. And what's crazy on wedding day, and I've seen it on dad's faces, I'm standing up here and you walk your little girl down the aisle and um, I say to the dad, I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And he says, not me. No, I'm just kidding. I hope, (laughs) hope that doesn't happen. But you can see it on their face. It's like, I am giving up. I am handing off trust, care, love. And man, you see the fiance go down and, you know, dad puts the veil back, gives his little daughter a kiss. And you can just sense it's like, I don't want to hand off her hand to this guy. This is what imagery Luke gives us this morning when he talks about betrayal. That when, when Judas decides to make his move, he literally hands Jesus off. And the conversation that Jesus is having with him is that when you hand him off, you want him hands off. I mean, this is the truth, right? This is why Judas does what he does. Jesus is like, I'm the savior of the world. I'm gonna save everybody. But then Judas keeps hearing him talk about a cross. And he keeps hearing about some donkey that he's gonna ride in. Like, hey, I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but that's not how people save the world. They ride in on these giant stallions with swords and armies, and they just annihilate the people who enslave them. And so he realizes, man, Jesus is talking about cross. He's talking about peace. He's talking about dying. This is not the savior of the world. And so he says, you know what? I'm going to hand you off because I want you hands off. And come on, we do this all the time. This is the conversation Jesus has with us. How often do we hand Jesus off because we want him hands off? come on, I've done this, you've done this. You ever gone to buy a car before? Listen, Jesus, I know I'm about to go buy a car that I shouldn't buy. So you sit in here with the doors locked and don't come out and guilt me and don't talk to me about how I can't afford it and I need to live below my means and all that stuff. And so you just lock Jesus in the car. And if you get rowdy, don't worry, I'll come back. I'll make sure you don't come with me next time. And you go in and you have that conversation with the salesman and you know in your gut you're not supposed to have that conversation, but you keep having it. And you end up buying, you're like, hey man, you hand Jesus off, you want him hands off. You, you've had this in relationships. Come on, people who are dating, young, young friends, you are dating people that you know you shouldn't be dating. Like You have this, this, this gut instinct inside of you that says, I know that this guy's not right for me. I know this girl's not right for me. And you have friends keep speaking into your life and you're like, Jesus, I know you keep saying the same thing, but right now I'm gonna hand you off because I want you hands off in this relationship. And over. And over and over, we constantly hand Jesus off because if we know that he's hands-on, then we lose control. By the way, that's what betrayal is. Betrayal is about you having the reins. Betrayal is about you having control, which is why we continue the next conversation, again, the second conversation. I tell you what, man, this is, probably looks like a lot like our Thanksgiving dinners. Y'all have that crazy relative who just can't shut their mouth at the dinner table, and they start talking about everything you're not supposed to talk about, politics, religion, and, of course, they say one thing, and then somebody else starts talking, and next thing you know, this Thanksgiving dinner's not so thankful. Everybody's fighting. You think Jesus was a great leader? Totally dysfunctional. At the end of his life, here's how the next conversation goes. They immediately, I love this, they immediately became, say it with me now, suspicious. That's a fun word, I don't know why. Suspicious of each other. They became suspicious of each other and they began quizzing one another and they were wondering who might be the one that's gonna betray Jesus. And then the conversation turns. Within minutes. They were bickering over who who would be the greatest. At first, we're suspicious. Now we're talking about who's the greatest. Listen, I get it. When you meet people for the first time, you're curious about them. You want to know about them. But have you ever had friendships where you've shared intimate details about failures and mistakes in your life, and you've went to them and you've talked to them, and all of a sudden there seems to be a shift in the relationship? You ever had this? Like You you can't put your finger on it, but you know something's not right. And all of a sudden, you become uncertain about that. And here's what I know. When we become uncertain, we become suspicious. And when we become suspicious of people, we get really insecure. And when we're insecure about relationships, what we do is we posture ourselves over the other person. Because, man, if this ship's going down, I'm on top, baby. That's all there is to it. Like, if it's going to be ruined, if it's going to be messed, guess what? You're going down. I'm not. And I love this idea that in this story, that we see people talking about greatness, but they're comparing their lives to the person who's totally going to screw it all up. You ever, you ever do this? I, I do this all the time. In fact, yesterday we had pastors-like conferences, and pastors' conferences are so funny <laughs> be, because uh, Nobody likes the guy or the gal that gets up on the stage and gives us all the wisdom advice because they're like, my church is huge. A lot of people come to it and I'm the best leader and I'm going to give you all this advice about all these qualities and values and everything that you should follow. And all of my church people show up every single week and everybody serves. In fact, we have so many people serving, we have to turn them away. And, of course, you're sitting there, it's like this, man. You're, like, taking notes, and then you're just like, oh, my goodness, can I leave? I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. And so here's what we do. We, we start going around to other pastors. Hey, man, how's your church going? And, of course, you will find that guy. You will find that gal who will say, man, it, it just stinks. I can't get people to show up. I can't get people to serve. I can't get people to do anything that, like, it's a disaster. And you're like, Yes yes cha-ching I am great it's all about the ego pastors have egos I'm just letting you know it up front I've got one everyone's got one and we don't like feeling insecure about how we're doing a church so we find ourselves someone else that we can feel better about ourself you know it's like man and I and I call this it's called this is what greatness is it's comparative insecurity it's comparative insecurity. Greatness for many of us is just about comparing ourselves to someone who lives less. We will always measure our lives to the minority. You will always pick out that person in your life and you say, man, that, if, if I, I, that's the standard, then I'm way above it. I'm great. We never like to look at the people who are driven, who have purpose, and who are living the way that you know you should be living. So here's what Jesus says. I love this. He hears these, man. We again theology joke. I love this. This is a good one. Uh, in in theology world, we call them the duh disciples because they can never get it right. So they're t- <laughs> that's a good one. I, I can sense it. Who is greater? Jesus says, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? And Jesus continues. He says, but I am among you as one who serves. You are those who stood by me in my trials and I confer on you the kingdom just as my father conferred on me so that you may eat and drink at my table. Do you see what is happening with the greatness conversation? Jesus is winning us over out of his weakness. He is not winning over the weakest. You with me on this? That's really good. I got fired up about that i can sense your excitement too jesus is winning us over out of his weakness he's not winning over the weakness and i was thinking what does this look like see sometimes i get so caught up in the future that i'm not present with my family and my wife knows this glazed over look that i get in my eye and she'll say honey i know you're here but you're not here i need you to be present and you know what i'll do hey i know this guy one of our relatives yeah he's divorced Things aren't working out for them, you know, like it's just an absolute mess. He's never there for his kids, never present in their lives. And I said, you know what? You can be married to him. You should be grateful that you have such a great husband. (laughs) And then I think, you know what? What if, what if I took my weakest moment and I used that? I use that for good. I mean, what if I just acknowledged I'm not present, I'm not here, this is hard, and I served and loved my family. So, greatness. So we have these two amazing conversations about betrayal, control, greatness, and then we dive into the last one. And this is so good because it's a culmination of all of these. And this is what, What happens? Jesus says, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from the wheat. I love that. It is Satan's goal to separate you from the one who loves you. It is Satan's goal to separate you from the one who loves you. He says, Simon, I've prayed for you in particular that you would not give in or give out. And when you come through the time of testing, turn to your neighbors, turn to your companions and give them a fresh start. Peter said, Master, I'd do anything for you. I'll do anything. I'll go to jail for you. I will die for you. I'll do anything. And you can hear the passion. You can hear the purpose. You can hear the dreams in his life. And Jesus said this, nope. Hey, man, I'm sorry to tell you this, but Peter, before the rooster crows three times, man, you'll you'll disown me. You will deny me. You have denied that you even know me. denial. As I begin to look at this word and sort of do a little bit of research on it because I'm not very smart and you know I have to figure these things out. It it just reminds me I have two little boys that have birthdays close together. They're 14 months apart. That's what you call not parenting planning or planning parenting or whatever. And so we had kids close together. The birthdays are together which means we have parties all the time together. And so we're riding around in a car full of balloons and we get out to go to the grocery store and you've had this happen right a balloon escapes and flies away and I knew that it was going to be a moment of despair and so before I started crying I just looked up and I said boys look the balloon it's a bright blue day look the the balloon is probably over lockport and just think now, it's probably all the way in Bolingbroke. Of course we're exaggerating. Man, and now it's probably over the lake up north that I can't mention because I'm a Buckeye fan and I don't like the M-word. But it's probably over that lake, and that's where it's gonna get lost. And and as we stared at it on that day, we lost sight of this balloon. And it's funny for Peter because the, the moment that Jesus is taken out of his sight, Peter loses sight of who he is. It's funny, a little teenage girl walks up to him and says, Hey, um, I think you know this guy. And he says, I don't think I do. And it's so crazy that when we lose sight of Jesus, we lose sight of who we are. This is just a profound truth that when you lose sight of Jesus in your life, you will lose sight of who you are. And what we do is we will always compare our lives to other people. We will always figure out what greatness looks like. We will always ask Jesus to be hands off. And you know what you do when you do that? You know what I do when I do that is we live something less than what we were made for. Now, you know what I call that? It's called sin and i hate i hate some of the definitions people come up with for sin because it just makes you feel really bad you missed the mark you totally messed it i mean it's just like okay tell me something i don't know so i just came up with my own definition because i feel like it's a better one sin is just doing something other than what you were designed to do i like to spin on that like you mean that I was made for something? Like, I was meant to do something in life and that when I'm not doing whatever I was created for that I'm just kind of, I'm not getting it? Like, man, wow. And whenever we have eyes on Jesus, whenever we are in that moment, man, I tell you what, you will live into a life like you've never lived. So, I don't know how I feel about this question, so you can, you can come up and tell me after. But this morning, I want you to, want you to quickly, with your neighbor, quickly talk about, it. and you don't even have to explain why, I know it may say explain why, don't explain why. What conversation do you resonate with the most? Like, are you somebody at this point in your life is saying, you know what, I'm handing off Jesus because I want him hands off in every area of my life. I do not want his advice. Are are you somebody who's constantly, if you're like me, we we ask this of ourselves, Brad, what's your greatest? This is my greatest struggle. I'm always comparing myself to other people. Like, what's your measuring stick? Who are you holding it up to? And lastly, man, what's your focus? Who do you have sight of? I love it. Somebody earlier said, man, losing sight of Jesus is really just because we're so busy. We just don't have time. So uh, just in this moment, I want you to turn to your neighbor, or I want you to journal it down, or I want you to take notes on your phone, whatever you want to do. But we've got to acknowledge this, that we fit in one of these conversations. So take a minute and think about where you stand. Let's close this thing out. Y'all ready for this? Somebody's shaking your head no. Whenever I have to say something difficult, I try to put on my best Joel Olstein face because it always sounds better with a smile. And maybe even an accent, right? At the table. All right, let's just get to it. At the table. We want this to become a place where we have hard conversations with each other. We want this to be a place where everybody belongs. We want this to be a place where where everybody can find the life that they were made for. We want there to be lots of grace, you know? We want there to be lots of mercy. But we also want there to be a little bit of truth. And sometimes that means us talking to each other about where we really are. I want these conversations to be filled with hope. I want them to be filled with life. But I want them also to be filled with honesty. That's what I want for us. Because when, it's, when we have these hard conversations, people move forward in their faith. So, hey, you want to have a conversation with me? Let's talk. Let's do it. We're not going to mess around. We don't mess around. We don't put it lightly. We just say it the way it is. I do like that about Chicago. You can just say it the way it is. That's fun. And here's the thing. The reason why I want to have conversations here is because if we can have hard conversations here with each other, then we can have hard conversations with people out there. And I'm not saying that you need to go out and get in people's face. What I'm saying is that it will give you practice for inviting people who aren't here yet. I love this idea that we want to create an environment and people that we are so excited about what God is doing that we can't help but share that with other people. The other day I was with my boss. I have a boss. He's pretty funny. And we were out to breakfast, and there was a young lady serving us, and he's very loud and boisterous. And, and he said, he says to this young lady, hey, we're people of faith. I'm like, hey, man, it's 9 in the morning. It's, it's too loud to be talking about this. We're people of faith. And everybody's looking at the restaurant like, why is this guy so angry? And uh, he said, man, we we just want to pray for you before we eat. Can we do that? And um, I think, oh, my goodness, this is so embarrassing. Can we not do this here? And she said, yeah. I'd love for you. I'm, I'm going to school. I'm working on this. I'm working on, man, I'd love for you to pray for me. And he said, I don't know if you know this. And it's, again, so loud. We have this amazing church called The Table right down the street from here. And we'd love to invite you. Sorry, I'm so loud. That's just how loud he was. And I'm like, again, shrinking in my chair. This is embarrassing. But, man, I didn't know that she would be so receptive. Yeah, I'd love to come. I'd love to be part of that. And this dude was so excited leaving the, 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 the restaurant. This guy was punching my roof like, this is awesome. Woo! He's hitting my roof. And this dude's passionate, passionate about letting people know that their lives can be changed. And I got to be honest, for me, that's really hard. But I find the more that we have hard conversations in here and the more that we realize that we need to we need to step it up, the more faith filled we become and the more faith-filled we become the more excited we are to invite people about it and to it so man as you leave here there are cards in front of you or we have cards for you that you can take to just invite people but we want you to share this good news with other people that's why we're here and that's why we do what we do at the table so this morning I'm going to have those serving communion come forward if you come forward we love to end it this way. I don't know what conversation you're in with God, but I just want you to know Jesus invites you to sit down at the table with him. In fact, I love this. This is how he ends it. This is when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he says this, he says, man, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Jesus eagerly desires to eat this meal with you. So this morning, wherever you are in your faith in your life, may you know that when you receive the body and the cup of the new covenant, his love is given to you. So this morning, maybe you need to say, today I make you the leader of my life. Lord Jesus, today I make you the leader of my life. No longer will I hand you off, but today I will let you lead all of me. Maybe you need to pray that prayer today. If you'd love to, I'd love to meet you back behind the wall. If you want prayer for your life today, meet me, talk to me. You want to share, I'll meet you right back there in that corner after this. But come when you're ready and receive the goodness of God this morning.